Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill, employee-owned and operated, and founded on the principle of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Good afternoon, and welcome to Eating Matters, where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. I'm your host, Jenna Liute, and we're broadcasting from Roberta's on Heritage Radio Network. Okay, so contrary to the show's tagline, we're going to take a little break from food policy in this particular episode and instead talk about the way high-performance athletes eat, or at least how they used to eat in the 80s, especially compared to how they eat now. Joining me today to delve into this fascinating topic is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. That's right. It's my dad, Mike Liute. Dad, welcome to the show. I got a, I got a frog in my throat. Could you get it out, please? No, I don't, I don't even know what that means. I don't either. Where did that come from? What? That was not a frog sound. That was like an explosion. Yeah, I have limited means here. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to talk about athletes and food. Yeah. yeah if you want. That's what we're talking about. For, have you been on radio before? Many times. Really? Mm-hmm. So you're an old, old pro? Well, it's been a long time. But you don't get to wear the makeup, though, like you do when you're on, when you're on TV. Makeup is good. I know. I would I would keep it, leave it on and right. go out. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of rouge never hurt anyone. Certainly not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So athletes and food. First of all, do you want to tell tell us what uh, you used to do? <laughs> Isn't that your your job? Okay. I could have teed it up, but it's so much, yeah. it's so much better from hearing uh, from you. Okay. Okay. All right. I was a professional hockey player for 15 years. Mm-hmm. In the World Hockey Association and the NHL. Okay. And from 1977 to 1992, an era that did not have much information, direction, coaching when it came to proper diet, sleep mm-hmm. habits, or working out <laughs> no, for that matter. So, none of those important things for an athlete. None, none of yeah. the things that would actually make you better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, then you retired and. Went to law school. Or forced out of the game and, <laughs> and went to law school. Well, most athletes retire and go to law school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, it's like a pretty common so much. thing. Not so much. Pretty common thing. <laughs> and then you now work with athletes. I do. As, I'm uh, the managing director of Octagon's hockey division. We represent more or less 90 plus NHL hockey players. Okay. We have agents around the world, mm-hmm. uh, recruit players from around the world. Okay. So we have a broad uh, understanding of today's athlete. Mm-hmm. And you, you also, the firm, the agency represents other uh, sports. All the other sports. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Almost all of them. <laughs> all, all the team sports and, and many individuals uh, from individual sports and or team sports that are not um, 
uh, you know, they're, they're, they're more uh, for their celebrity or for their marketing opportunities. What about equestrians? Uh, no equestrians Sorry. as yet. It's a, it's a shame. It's, a, it's your loss. Okay, so, Dad, what did you used to eat? Tell us about your kind of like, you know, what your diet was like, what your conditioning was like back in the, back like a hundred years ago when you played. Okay. Well, my, my, uh, dietary, uh, consumption pattern, consumption pattern, sure. Was, um, was just an extension of, of how I grew up. And as you well know, your grandmother was way ahead of the curve on, uh, I, I don't know if certainly sourcing, uh, locally, mm-hmm. um, probably organic, mm-hmm. um, uh, and um, you know we had a, uh, a balanced diet, lots of uh, vegetables, fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that was considered dessert in our house. Yeah, <laughs> fruit, Great. and um, uh, and then a balance of of everything else, whether it was uh, carbohydrates, proteins. So. That's still the foundation of any good diet is the balance. And, or, or, but where athletes or dietitians have taken it mm-hmm. uh, to a much higher level is, is um, actually taking uh, the food and saying, okay, this is fuel. This is, you're not eating it because you like it or right. that it's, it's uh, you know, it tastes delicious or it's uh, because a lot of the times that's, that's going to have things in it that are, that are, you know, wasted calories, if you will. Like sugar. Like sugar or cream and mm-hmm. all the fat stuff. That, all the good uh, stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah. But athletes, so the athletes, um, uh, so my diet was was still Mediterranean-based, um, not a lot of fat, mm-hmm. um, fried, not fried foods. Um, uh, so, and, but, ho- and homemade. And homemade. Right. Yes. And very much kind of following uh, your dad, my grandfather, was an immigrant, right? Yes. And so kind of followed the what people ate in Italy. Well, and it, when they immigrated to Canada, they were, you know, they had, uh, they, they immigrated uh, during the Depression. And, you know, my father would say they didn't realize there was a depression because they had five acres and they grew their own vegetables yeah, and wow. they had a cow. And that was, you know, that was wow. the whole nine yards, right? They just, they, they, they were almost self-sustainable or they're, they're yeah. sustainable or self-sufficient. So, um, where we fell apart though, in, in understanding what it takes to get yourself ready, you know, through diet to, to play is, is you know our our diet was or our pregame meal was at one o'clock in the afternoon for an eight o'clock at night game right which is yeah. like the, the spread is way too far uh, too many hours in advance and the that idea was huge yeah and the idea was that you know you had a steak that's what we ate for a pregame meal I mean it's just it's like it's just wrong right so um, <laughs> the you know so then you, you know you just kind of pieced it together you know and for me I would have. I would eat at one o'clock in the afternoon a sixteen-ounce porterhouse steak, oh and 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 probably a half a pound of pasta in some form. Easily, yeah. I remember. I've never seen a plate bigger, you know, a plate of pasta yeah. bigger. I but, mean, but if I, you know, I was if I didn't, you know, you're in your twenties and yeah. early thirties. If you didn't eat like that much, then you know you were starving because you're eating it too far in advance. So. Yeah. You know, there are there are books that came along, um, you know, at that time or, or shortly, you know, in the, in the 90s, I guess, or late 80s. And it was called Eat to Win. And and, um, it, you know, it got back into this idea that, that food is fuel and mm-hmm. uh, and you want to be able to 
you know, to have the f- fuel, uh, the food that you've eaten convert at game time into into fuel, into glycogen that you can that you can um, uh, use. Yeah. yeah. So um, that came uh, into um, into the game. I'm going to say early 90s, right? Right when I was I was uh, retiring, and uh, my last year, we actually had a dietitian in when I was playing in Washington, and you know she came in and she did a, a blood workup on everybody, and you know she came back to, uh, in my meeting with her. She, you know, I was uh, slightly anemic and uh, dehydrated, and. Um, you know, my red blood cells count was way low. And, yeah. you know, so I was iron You were deficient. a mess. Yeah, I was a mess. But <laughs> but that's just how you just you just survived, right? You didn't. So the, then um, uh, that's the difference today. So you have players who are, are and people, uh, teams that, that are investing in, in dietitians and uh, they produce. Um, uh, so if you go into an NHL uh, locker room now um, in the, for practice, there's breakfast. Mm-hmm. So they they have teams uh, employ a chef that that that's at least going to cook, you know, a breakfast and a lunch after uh, uh, practice, and and um, and then they're you know they're on their own for dinner. But the the idea is that your your you know your most important meal. Now this wasn't a problem for me because it's how I grew up. Your mm-hmm. most important meal is the first meal, breakfast, mm-hmm. and then what they want to do immediately after practice is to get their protein back into them so they'll they'll you know they'll have shakes and so forth and and then they'll have a lunch for them afterwards so um they're trying to make it they being teams trying to make it as as their athletes as efficient as they can possibly be at least through the diet portion of it for the athletes themselves um you know there's in the last 30 years is a great push to um uh, to understand the physiology and and what it takes to propel the you know the the, the athlete and, and make him efficient, and so the training is is it, 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 I can't even say it's night and day. It's it's a greater it's a starker difference than that from mm-hmm. when I played, and and how you train and even that has evolved right into being um, you know more functional in your movement and um, and away from uh, static you know weightlifting that. Yeah. Associated with machines, so it's it's body weight and and um, you know you, you're you're really building um, you know the athleticism in the athlete through his training, and from a dietary standpoint, he's he's um, uh, you know being educated into uh, you know what's going to keep him lean mm-hmm. right? or so, her or her or her yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I had to get that yeah I mean, that's not funny. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> so, so that's that's the that's the uh, you know the the process is that that players are are regardless of gender are functioned on or focused rather on on um, uh, body mass index and and that's going to help them be efficient and the and, uh, analogy that we use is is you know carry a you know a ten pound weight jacket around. Yeah. You know, by the end of the day, you'll that's what, you know, 10 extra pounds of fat if your body mass index is yeah. is out of line. You know, on 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 an athlete, uh, it's it's going to make you, you know, less efficient, obviously. Right. So right. So Well, but the athletes weren't necessarily heavier. 
right when well, you were playing? The, yeah, the body fat was 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 higher, right? Yeah. So our body mass index was, you know, I was somewhere between seven and nine percent. As you get older, they tell you that it gets it's higher just because you're older. I right. never quite understood that, but but the idea we we. Uh, you know, there's a theory that, you know, you should be 10% because there's a lot of reserve that you need over the course of a season when you're playing hockey. You're playing three, four games a week and yeah. and over a six-month period. So, um, you know, it isn't uncommon for players to be at 10%. And, and, and if they're not in better shape, you know, they can be, you know, teen, you know, 13, 14, some guys 15. Quel horror. Yeah. It, well. Well, that's just, you know, they're just, it, you know, it, it's just their body type can, they can carry more fat than, than other people. I mean, I know that I'm at the 7%. No. Right. <laughs> but, you know, back to gender, there's, even, there's even a distinction. David, even David from the other room is shaking his head on, on that one. There's, it's there's, like, there's, nope. there's a distinction between genders. Yeah. And, and uh, females. I don't think can get women have like an extra layer of subcutaneous fat. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It's right. really annoying. Yeah. So, but that's, but the, the idea is that you're, you're, you're looking to become efficient and your efficiencies come by better life habits, right? Which is uh, training, dietary and sleep. And right. some teams have a, a sleep coach. A sleep coach to help players um, adjust to time changes. Jeez. So the players that played, you know, the the secret, the quiet, uh, the secret that everybody knows in, in the NHL, for that matter, or any of the sports, is it's much easier to play on the East Coast than it is on the West Coast because of the travel distance and time zone yeah. that you're forced to experience. Um, so it, it's it's a, a very real issue for for West Coast teams when they have to travel, uh, you know, east. They're going to travel even, east more than the eastern teams will travel west. Even three hours? That to me is like really, you no, know. No, it is. It's, it's Three hours is, was a difficult adjustment for me going, and for me it was always going west where mm-hmm. most people have that issue coming east. Right, because you lose time. But, um, no, it, if I'm in L.A., um, I'm going to wake up at uh, – you know, four or five o'clock in the morning because it's, you know, it's seven or eight o'clock and, you know, in the East coast. Right. And, and yeah. it's, and I couldn't really get away from that. I mean, try as you might stay up later, go to bed or I, you know, it just, it just didn't. Uh, Is this, I feel like the athletes today, what you're describing, like, are they a little soft? I mean, come on, you know, like <laughs> well, I'm going to help you Jen, with your sleep. You Jen, know? <laughs> if you'd like to go to practice one day, I okay. can arrange that for All right. you. And you All right. you'll, you'll, you'll I mean, gain firsthand knowledge. <laughs> I mean, I do have 7% body fat, so sure. I feel like... <laughs> You're going to need 37% body fat to absorb the, uh, the, the practice. Shock yeah. Okay. No, it's right. it's not about being soft. It's about being more efficient. Yeah. Right? So yeah, they're here's like peak the, Here's the analogy. Here's the analogy. I is hope it's a sports one. Well, not quite, but okay. it, you, it's related to sports. You know, we can go back in time, and if you went to see a psychologist, people looked at you like, you know, what's the matter with you? Ah, but of course, you know, mental health is very important and in the mainstream now. Yes. And and so is so is this, right. you know, sleep habits are incredibly important. And, and in fact, you know, I mean, just think of the sleep clinics that people, yeah. you know, uh, for whatever, you know, is interrupting their sleep. In fact, if you study and you can't quote me, but something along the lines, that if you're not getting five or six hours of sleep a night uninterrupted, it's like you're, and you go and drive your car, it's like being impaired. Really? Yeah, I believe that. And, yeah. and that's, that is, um, so, 
you, you know, you just can't. Um, athlete will actually, you know, um, fight through it, right? No, because yeah. you know, they're just conditioned to do that, right? But it, they're it, they're not as efficient, and they're not going to be. So therefore, they're not um, playing to their potential, and they certainly can't do it through, you know, eight months of the season. Right. Yeah, it's very long. People don't realize how long a hockey season right. is. Well, and to and just teams. really almost any any season. I mean, even even um, you know, if you're you're skiing, you're kind of you're you're going through a, a a schedule, but you're trying to get to the World Championships, and you're trying to peak at that time. And and but it, you know, it's still it's coming at the end, and and you know, you're just if, if you're not efficient, then the longer the season goes, or whatever that length is, mm-hmm. you will become uh, less efficient. Uh, uh, you know, your performance uh, will suffer. Performance will become less yeah. as the season goes on. Okay, we're going to take a really quick commercial break. Um, but when we get back, uh, nope, that's it. Okay, we're going to take a really quick commercial break and hear a word from our sponsors. But we'll be right back. Stay tuned. I don't think there's anybody worthy to run this company, but the people who built it. I have employees who've been with me for more than thirty years and plus. Each and every one of them deserves to be an owner. That's just the way it ought to be, and that's just the way it is. This is Bob Moore. He and his wife, Charlie, started Bob's Red Mill almost four decades ago. Today, they offer one of the largest lines of organic whole grain foods in the country. And in 2010, on his 81st birthday, Bob gifted ownership of the company to his employees. I'd received plenty of offers to buy my company over the years. But selling out never felt like the right thing to do. When the time comes to let someone else run this show, I can't imagine selling it to a stranger. Giving the company to my hardworking employees just feels right. The company now has an Employee Stock Ownership Plan, or ESOP. Stock is put in a retirement plan for all of its employees. When employees retire, the company buys back their shares. According to the National Center for Employee Ownership, about 11,000 companies in the U.S. currently run as ESOPs. It just shows how much faith and trust Bob has in us. That's Bo Thomas, the company's engineer and maintenance superintendent. He's been with Bob's Red Mill for over 27 years and has put his four children through college in the process. For all of us, it's, it's more than just a job. And, and obviously, it's the same way for Bob, too. Bob is still very active in the company. He's the president and CEO, and you'll find him working at the mill just about every day. Because when you love something this much, you want to be a part of it. Well, I may have given them the company, but the boss part is still mine. Bob's Red Mill is committed to sharing only the freshest, best-tasting whole grain foods on the planet. Learn more about their mission of good food for all at bobsredmill.com podcast. And we're back on Eating Matters, where today we're talking with my dad, Mike Leute, about his experience with how high-performing athletes used to eat compared with how and what they eat today. So dietary advice over the course of, you know, 20, 30 years has really changed. I mean, quite a bit, right? I mean, you understand that, like, we need to eat more vegetables, right? That's pretty much a constant. But there was, for instance, the low-fat craze in the 90s. And um, and then a little bit more recently, a, a shift away from saturated fat, although people are in the dietetic community is kind of now thinking that saturated fat isn't as bad for you. Um, and sodium, of course, is like a huge uh, public health 
uh, hazard right now. So have you found in just like your your experience with the game over the past 20, 30 years, have you found that the way athletes uh, eat food and their food patterns have sort of trended with dietary advice, the dietary advice? Um, well, they've changed their their um, method of, of eating for sure. I mean, they, they're but not to the point where they're concerned with their sodium intake, right? right. The one thing, yeah. the one difference with an athlete is that 5,000 you know, calories in a day is nothing, right? Yeah, they're going yeah. to burn through that. First of all, the athletes, regardless of gender, yes. are, you know, under 35 for the most part. Yep. So they're at that peak uh, metabolic point in their life. Mm-hmm. And the more strenuous the, you know, the off-ice, on-ice combination you know they can they can burn through the calories without a problem, but um, you know there's there's simple things like you know you'll see them eating you know a, not only chicken but lean chicken taking the skin off a of chicken right yeah. and really reducing um, you know you know some of the, some of the things a lot of the things that that make food taste good yeah right because they don't want the the they don't want to add to their body fat right or they're trying to they're trying to stay lean. Um, and and that's where you start thinking of food as fuel, right? So you're you know you're, and that that's all it is, right? You're keeping you're staying hydrated, mm-hmm. you're uh, eating food that you know calories that will convert to energy, mm-hmm. and it isn't anything more than that, right? Now that doesn't mean when they get to the off season, you know the chicken wings don't pop back <laughs> on the menu, uh, you know. But um, mm-hmm. you know players are are very um, cognizant of of you know what they're eating and yeah. uh, when they're eating it. And how much they're eating it. Although, as I said, you know, as you well know, right? Yeah, Seeing yeah. athletes eat at our house, you know, they can they yeah. chew through a lot of food. I mean, not even athletes, just me. Just I rem- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, by the way, like food, is, food as fuel was a mantra in our household um, forever. And, uh, you know, I grew up with a mom who cooked three meals a day and they were very, very, um, healthy and delicious, but you know, food is fuel. It was something that we definitely understood. And I remember this one time I brought home a muffin and which obviously has no, no nutritional value, right? It's sugar and it's delicious. And you know, that didn't go over so well. Well, you know, you're, you have to, you, you start from the, uh, from the beginning when you were infants, mm-hmm. your mother made all of the uh, baby food when she introduced yeah. food groups it was it was if it was uh you know sweet potatoes you know it was it was uh, sweet potato that was pureed down to right. you know you at, at 6 months could eat it yeah. right or carrots or green beans yeah. and you know so that it's it's the introduction of food at an early age right? you acquire the taste and texture for it and and you know it just becomes a way of life it's mm-hmm. uh, so that's not always true and when and i would say that with you know the canned baby foods you're probably getting a little sugar and sodium more than you know yeah what you have i mean there's a reason your mom didn't do it right yeah other than she could leave and i could produce you know lunch (laughs) because it was children yeah it was it was two ice cube trays of you know it's genius you know yeah it was already ready it was all ready to go just pop it out and you had it easy yeah just warm it up Yeah. yeah So back to the muffin. Well, the muffin, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't, it, it's not that it didn't go over big. I think I remember that. It went over really badly. Right. We took it away from you and I ate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
probably true. I think I stormed out of the house and you. It was okay. good times. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> such good times. I don't know. I don't remember that. <laughs> um, all right. So I do. So I want to like, I know I'm all over the place, um, but we're just chatting. We're just chatting here. There's this one story that I think is really great. And it's that I also almost don't believe it. But you, during one game, lost a lot of weight. So kind of going back to the idea that right. athletes had no idea how to eat right. a long time ago. Can you tell us about well, what was, happened? Well, we were playing, you know, we're in the playoffs and we played, you know, it was at the, that time it was a, a ridiculous schedule. Um, and we, we had played um, uh, five games in, in seven nights plus overtime. So I think functionally close to six games in seven nights, which is nuts. And wow. And then we had a, a day off. Where? Uh, what team were you on? In St. Louis. And, and. You know, it was early in my career, so I was, you know, maybe 25 or 26 years old. And, um, or even younger than, actually, I was younger than that, um, 24. And we were, um, uh, we had one day off, and then we played another four and five. But in the, you know, in the first two games of that second four and five, I I would play on back-to-back nights. I would weigh in almost every day at 190 pounds. And, and if I had to play a second night, I would come back that that next game, and I would weigh in at 189 pounds. I'd be one pound light, and um, and that was just you know maybe you know I, 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 it just the way it was. it was. Yeah. But that particular game, um, the um, the building, uh, the electricity in the building in St. Louis um, was out. They blew a transformer, so there was no AC in the building all day, and it was 80 degrees in St. Louis. And by the time we played the game. Um, you know, it really didn't have a chance to cool off. And then you put 18, 19,000 people in the building. Plus your equipment at the time. Right. And it just, it just everything. And we, we, we played to, um, uh, I weighed out after the game starting at 189. I think I was 178 or something like that. 177. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, and, and, and consequently, you know, the, you know, we're, we we're in command right up until the third period. And then when, as a goalie, you just fell apart. They scored three goals and we lost. Wow. Um, and you know, but you just you just can't play losing that yeah. much weight. You just can't can't yeah. you know not efficient. You're not Your hydrated. Body stops but that's that's that was in the NHL. There was no uh, water on the nets. No way for a goalie. So the, the only time that a goalie would have a drink during the game is if the other team took a penalty and you would scurry to the bench during a delayed call and have a quick drink. And and um, uh, other than that, you know, you would play. Uh, you know the period, which is going to take forty-five minutes without drinking, right? What? Uh, uh, other than that, one or two. So, you know, to prepare for that, you would practice without water, so that you, it wasn't a, you know you, you you weren't craving it. You just sort of that was normal in your mind. It was normal, but you know, uh, uh, you know the the, that the effect on your body yeah. was completely abnormal. When did they? I when did they start? putting water bottles in the back of the net. And by the way, why wouldn't they think of that? That seems like a no-brainer. Well, but that's back, if you go back 30 years or 35 years, I mean, football teams would practice in the heat and there'd be no water because if you drank water, to your earlier point on sleep, mm-hmm. right, if you had to drink water, you were soft. You don't need water, <laughs> right? So, I mean, it was just a complete, it was the same reason why they said you have to eat steak uh, you know, a pregame meal. It was just because that's what somebody said back in the day, and that's they what just the men do. Yeah, well, they just, they just continued the myth, right? Yeah. But um, uh, but you know, and, and so the game is much better off for it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and and I'm sure that the the first people who started to turn their mind to this were. 
probably women who yeah. said this is this is not smart. <laughs> well, we're we're smarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah without question. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, all right. So, last question before we wrap up. Um, in your experience with other athletes, you know, in your current role. Do you find, and, and to the extent you can answer this, do you find that other uh, sports require athletes to eat certain ways, different ways? I think that every, every, each sport has its has its rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would imagine. I mean, and they're they're all a little bit different. I mean, base basketball and hockey are are most uh, aligned in that uh, they're playing an eighty two game season. Uh, it happens at the same time of the year. Baseball is one hundred and sixty two games, and mm-hmm. and that so that's a different type of the sport you know they don't have the practice time that we we have but mm-hmm. they play every day right so that's a different um requirement right and it's not it isn't the you know it it, it is baseball does yeah baseball is yeah. yeah and it's a physical sport right you're the catcher I'm yeah you know gonna go okay. ahead and disagree with you on that there are a lot of fat baseball players. well uh, you know the, it's it's still a physical game in that you're doing it every day for and three and, the, and the game and the game lasts for three hours so just yeah. go stand out in the field you know for three hours you know whatever I, do that. I know but yeah. you know it's not that it doesn't come with a toll right and uh-huh. and actually the guys in the outfield yeah right are not are not fat right okay, right. okay. so they so, get you know they do like so, three sprints yeah. a game well you know whatever they're 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 athletes and okay. they're they they might be more skilled than than, than cardio, skilled, but yeah. the point is that they're they have a, a an everyday um, physical schedule, job. Yeah. and they're going to eat different for that than than maybe we are, and they're going to have double headers, right? So they play two games in a day. Yeah, um, and football plays once a week, and they play in the, mostly in the afternoons. Although you know, in the last ten years, it's 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 gone from a Sunday afternoon game, to, you know, Monday night yeah. for one game that it's spread all the way back to Thursday. So their rhythm is a little bit off where it's not on the same day every week. Right. They have to change. Yeah. It. So, um, you know, I think that there, for sure that there's, there's differences between the sports in, in how you're going to prepare for every game. However, it's the same objective. You're trying to get to the game with, you know, enough fuel to get you through the game. Enough gly- uh, glycogen. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's no different than a race car. It needs enough fuel to get around the track before you know and, and hit the checkered flag without running out of gas. And that's what an athlete's trying to do. And and before it seems like they were where there was more of a focus on protein in advance to kind of fuel your tank versus these simple carbohydrates that you can break down and use immediately. Yes, and and I think that a lot of athletes, like I certainly did too. Even though you know we have that meal, uh, you know I would have a nap and then I'd go to you know at four o'clock I'm eating you know some simple carbohydrates, toast or something of that nature yeah. just to you know have just something. to cap off the stage <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> insane yeah i know yeah. i know yeah. think, think about the playoffs when we would play that particular year i think we played 13 games in a little over two weeks 16 days 17 days so that's 13 16 ounce porterhouse steaks in two weeks i don't even that was, know that's when your mother put a and end to that. The That's kibosh. Enough. The kibosh. That, yeah. Was, yeah. It's a, it's a We're hard going with fish and, and chicken. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> See, women are smarter. So, I, I'm not arguing. <laughs> okay. Well, we are going to have to wrap it up for today. But, Dad, it's, a, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, of it's course it's a is. pleasure. Pleasure was all yours. <laughs> pleasure was all mine. <laughs> thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Also, big thanks to our sponsors for your generous support. Our show is produced with help from Taylor Lenzet, and show music is by Tim Archer. Thank you to our engineer, Vitor Hirsch, 
All episodes of Eating Matters are available on the Heritage Radio Network website or as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't done, done so already, please subscribe, like, share, follow, and post to us on Facebook, and find us on Twitter at Eat Matters HRN. I'm Jenna Liute, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.